welcome back to week five of The Handmaid's Tale. Our episode this week is called Seeds, and I am back here again with uh, Abigail Johnson. Hey. Hey. And uh, guest hosting with us today is my good friend Mike Smith, fixture of the uh, Baltimore uh, theater and comedy scene. Hi, Mike. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about um, yourself and what you do here in Baltimore. Uh, I do theater in Baltimore. I'm working on a show right now. I'm working on two shows right now at the same damn time. Wow. Uh, one show I'm working on is a hip-hop adaptation of King Lear. Uh, we're doing school tours right now. It's called Fools and Mad Men, so that's been really fun. We started doing um, a school tour on Monday, and then we're doing a, a public city tour uh, starting next week, next Monday. We're starting at the McDonough School and going to a couple of different locations around the city. That's going to be really fun. Original music, original songs, and the story of King Lear. And uh, right now, I'm also working on a show, uh, the closing weekend of the other show that I'm working on that's called Palindromes. And that is two one-act plays. The first act is about Thelonious Monk. And the second act is the story of uh, Marvin Gaye Sr.'s trial. Um, in case you all didn't know, Marvin Gaye Sr. shot his son Marvin Gaye Jr. to death. I didn't know that before I watched the show, and then I watched the show, and I you was like, the show. oh my god, yeah. I learned something. Yeah, <laughs> not, not, tragic. Well, not like a ton <laughs> of people know that, but you know, some people know it. That, um, and I play Marvin Gaye Sr. in that, and I also play uh, Barry Gordy, who is the, the CEO, founder of Motown Records in Detroit. It's a great show, guys. Closing weekend. If you're in Baltimore, you should definitely come and see it. I was about to pull out a Freudian slip right here and just say, hey, th there might be a reason you're acting like uh, the senior here and not the junior. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you want to kill someone. I'm just kidding. Take somebody's out. There's out. There's that Freud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, we keep getting reviews and everyone's just like, yeah, and then they played Marvin Gaye Senior and it was really good. And they just totally ignore the uh, Barry Gordy. <laughs> <laughs> Which you're so slick in. You're I, so slick in I it. think they might think that's me for real. So they're like, yeah, eh, you know, yeah. that's a little too on No the acting there. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here this week. It's, uh, oh, thanks for having me. Uh, really excited to have you on. And, you know, I always aim to have uh, lots of different voices on this podcast. Last season, we had Alden T. Burroughs from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. So lots of um, different types of people like to have on and have uh, commentary on this show because I think it appeals to a wide range of people. And we do need a wide range of voices to, you know, critique and have commentary on the things that happen in this world because lots of different people from different backgrounds um, become affected in the show so it, it's important to me to definitely work in lots of uh, different perspectives I was gonna say I mean the moment SNL starts taking this on like that's when you know that this is a big problem to talk about <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah for definitely. sure you've like made it like the SNL like <laughs> you know bar of like making it right um, we do have some fan mail from last week um, and uh Last week's episode, episode four, uh, Other Women, um, we dealt with a lot of June's guilt. And so she kind of has this like broken spirit at the end. And we get very concerned with June's rebellious spirit, just sort of like broken up and gone away. And uh, I have a comment from Eileen uh, W. And uh, Leontine White uh, Foster, who was uh, also previously a co-host last season, um, and they question, like, if uh, is Offred broken or has June decided to wait for things to cool down before she strikes again? And similarly, mm -hmm. Eileen said, you know, she sort of wasn't sure that um, 
uh, June was actually broken. She thought maybe that June was pretending to have been broken. And if she just goes along with the flow, regroups, she can figure out something else. So there seems to be a, a divide between people who think that she's truly sort of had like a, a mental, mental moment here and people who are like no she's conscious of what she's doing i don't know about that i mean like i hadn't thought of that before someone mentioned it like is that possible sure but was that on my mind hell to the no like she she's straight up lost lost it in that one scene yeah i Every, was truly like concerned you, for you her you can see everything hit her like a train wreck all at once you know train wrecks where you just sit there and you kind of watch it happen and you're like, I shouldn't be watching because this is tragic, but you just can't turn away. And yeah, that was one of those moments. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she had that um, that mantra of like, it's all my fault, it's all my fault, mm-hmm, it's all my mm-hmm. fault. Yeah. And it just felt like an authentic emotional breakdown. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, there was the disparity between, you know, June and Alfred. Alfred doesn't have to bear June's guilt. Yeah. It's easy to sort of like, oh, if I have a way to offload all of these emotions I'm feeling, why wouldn't I take that? And that's such a strong psychological way to go. It is not uncommon to have two different selves. Mm. You know, like I'm a daughter, I'm a mother, I'm a sister. Mm -hmm. You act different in each role. She suddenly has a new role. Yeah. Mm. I'm not surprised. And isn't it that um, many um, cases of... uh, multiple what was previously called um, multiple personality disorder dissociative identity disorder is now called dissociative identity disorder usually stems from From some sort of trauma trauma yes um and so the it the personality becomes compartmentalized to prevent the trauma further trauma yeah yeah. it seemed like a karma thing too it seemed Mm. like this idea that i was free um i've been recaptured i'm back and you start to think well, I was free. Why am I no longer free? What did I do to deserve this? Right. And then you go back. And so she, it looks like she was, June was rationing why she was back. You know, there's why no she was escape. Back captured. And it's just like, what did I do? And then you, cause you know, stuff, I think stuff like that happens. I'm, I'm yeah. sure that's happened to me uh, where you're just like, oh, okay, there was this thing. And so then it goes through that big flashback. You reanalyze everything you did and you figure out exactly what you did wrong or mm-hmm. all the different dominoes that went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's and she's just like, maybe I deserve this because of this thing that I have done in the past. Mm-hmm. It's a deep spiral. Yeah. Uh, Angelia uh, Weitzman, who was also previously uh, a co host, uh, guest host uh, in season one for several episodes, um, she commented, you know, uh, what is the difference between shame and guilt? Uh, shame is what other. Uh, what another places on a person. It comes from the outside. Guilt is what comes from the inside. Um, This episode was extremely powerful. It starts with Aunt Lydia and the Gilead Society shaming June and slowly taking away her identity. The powerful segment of emotional abuse by Aunt Lydia by taking away June's name and convincing June her only salvation and ease is by accepting her place in Gilead or to lose her identity. And what a lesson we all learned from this episode. Why would so much energy be put into June losing her identity? Because in the end, those um, in power save energy. Very interesting. And when June now offered accepts responsibility and guilt, Aunt Lydia can now leave and move on to other things. Aunt Lydia knows Offred's indoctrination is complete and she will no longer have to be managed. So is the fate of all disenfranchised in a controlled society. This episode so demonstratively explains how such things like the Holocaust can happen, how normal people can let evil go unchecked, an episode full of cautionary lessons. Um, And she includes this quote um, from John Bradshaw, uh, when our instinctual life is shamed, the natural core of our life is bound up. 
It's like an acorn going through excruciating agony for becoming an oak or a flower feeling ashamed for blossoming. And that's from healing the shame that binds you. Angelios has great input. So, yeah, I, I love that. She said, you know, shame is what you place on another person. It's put mm. on you and then guilt comes from the inside. So that's like the juxtaposition of both. And so when both of those two things meet up, I think her argument is like, and uh, her point um, about Aunt Lydia moving on is actually quite apt because, you know, She's moving right. on to uh, episode five here, you know, uh, it begins with Alfred in her room and uh she's just really seeming like a space cadet mm -hmm. and she goes to her bathroom at the sink and she has a moment of awareness that there's actually this thing that's still a remnant of her past that she didn't take care of last episode which is the letters mm -hmm. yeah. rita gave them back a sad face rita <laughs> read a girl um but you know sympathize i'll sympathize with her a little bit um and I she and then there's the whole thing where she starts to burn them and then like i was She's like screaming i'm like no yeah. my, she had to burn them letters my mouth definitely dropped in that moment like i didn't know how to react and it, my i remember putting down in my notes drone like she is a drone at this point mm -hmm. she's going through the motions and not feeling anything and then nick stops her which is interesting and he's an eye and he's just like what are you doing and she's like i'm not supposed to have these i'm burning them and he's like let oh, me yeah. finish that Doesn't for she you she kind of like wander <laughs> off or she just walks yeah, away she's like, <laughs> like a robot boop, boop, boop. like i said drone yeah, yeah. <laughs> like nothing happened she's like i shouldn't have these Boopie i'm bop. getting rid of them <laughs> bye okay Done. i'm gonna i'm gonna call this out because they I, they're being real sneaky and i caught this and i was like mm, what what I miss? So, because she's burning them, but then Nick sort of gathers them up, and he doesn't he necessarily doesn't get, rid get rid of them. He right. puts so, out the fire, deals with the damage, and then takes the rest of the pile. So it's still somewhere, and he's not getting rid he, of it. Uh, he's an eye, and what, he's keeping uh, it. Our dear friend Max Garner likes to say, "You don't introduce a gun in Act exactly, One. Exactly, I was just saying if you don't yes. use it by, act three. Use it by act three. So yeah. we've reintroduced the letters for the second time this season." And we thought they were almost gone. And you think, you know, so a, a lot of people will think that they're gone. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's it's going to come back. And what's that rule? Death comes in threes. Let's see what's going to happen on that third one. Who's yeah. going to die? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it could, I, could be anyone. Um, <laughs> it's like Game of Thrones. No uh, one's sacred. <laughs> safe. And then we have um, the continued dynamic, which I love, between Serena and Aunt Lydia. And um, Aunt Lydia is doing this checkup. Yes. And she's doing all the measuring, which is great. And then we see Aunt Lydia writing with a pencil. Okay, can oh, I just say that? Yeah. At first, it didn't even hit me. And then it wasn't until Serena was, like, staring at it. She's like, and, the and, fuck? And, Excuse me? Yes. And then Aunt Lydia was just like, oh, it's just, we have to. It's more of a burden than anything. That's, I'm like, that's yeah. what I love about Aunt Lydia. Aunt Lydia is just like, she never lets on that she is enjoying anything that she is doing. Yeah. She's like, I am doing this because it is my job and it's for it the It is my duty good. to and, God. And that is it. It's, yeah, it's, it's my the duty to God. And my duty to God. This is just why I'm doing this. She's like, this is a burden. That little sad number two pencil. <laughs> <laughs> no eraser. None. And, uh, <laughs> Best not make a mistake on you. And, nope. and like, a, yeah, no, because like old June would have been like, grab that pencil out of her hand and, and like, and like stab yeah. her. And yeah. Um, there were no thoughts. No, yeah. No, no monologue from her the entire episode. She's doing things for like twenty minutes. And I'm like, what is she doing? She's running back and forth this doing is, what? No this monologue. Might, this might be her episode with the least amount of dialogue. I, I now that you pointed that out, I think you're right. 
I don't she think always she has a monologue. This mm-hmm. one didn't have a monologue until the very end. Yeah, because she you know, like the monologues, the voiceovers, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And yeah, she didn't really have that. She's kind of. I like think it really did cut. lend to the like whole whole space. There was like distance. a lot of the, I guess, She's the devices that the show leans on. Mm-hmm. They kind of cut out of this episode. Yeah, mm. yeah. You know, because they didn't have there a lot of voiceovers. There wasn't a lot of symbolism. There yeah. wasn't. What was the other thing we were talking about? It. it oh, the no flashbacks in this yeah. episode. Yeah. That's you true. But I was waiting for it because I think in one of the previous episodes in this season, it didn't come till way late. I think it was actually last episode where we get like 30 minutes in and then the first flashback happens right. with June encountering Annie. And then there's only maybe like one or two mini flashbacks at the right. at the end of that episode. So so I wonder if they're using that device a little less to rely I don't know if it's like an artistic decision to be like not rely on like this is everyone's backstory to draw everything out, mm-hmm. you know, because they're, uh, yeah, I don't know. I wonder. <laughs> but um, so Serena is like, but I wonder if this was just that dense of an episode on its yeah, own. Yeah, it was. It, it had it a had lot of loaded lot of things in it. Yeah, it had a lot of loaded things in it. A great deal of emotions and a wedding. And oh, several Dear weddings. <laughs> a group wedding. <laughs> Wasn't it like a two dozen at once wedding? It was yeah. just like they just herded them all in yeah. there. And they're like child brides. They're like 12 Little and 13. baby girl oh brides. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So I wasn't m- expecting that because when they no. said it was Pravaganza, I was like, I remember that from the book. So it's Pravaganza is from the book, but I didn't really remember anything from but like, it. The look, the look on Nick's face, I was like, what, what's in that box? Like, what has him so upset right now? And then people started walking out. I was like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's awful. And then like June's just like, she's just, it takes a second and then she starts clapping. Like I said, she starts clapping, but it was that weird thing of she's clapping, everyone's clapping for like a few seconds and then it just goes like mute. Yes. I love that moment that in this episode. And like they're still clapping and it was mute. And I was like, wow, that, I mean, that was probably like the closest they got to like symbolism. That I think. was deep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was like really intense because you had to like really stop and just kind of think about it. Yeah. Editor, uh, you did a fantastic job. Oh, yeah. the editor's dope. Uh, yeah, right? the editor's Yeah, because there was dope. a scene earlier in that episode where you are with Janine um, in the field and then it cuts away from Janine to Janine's baby. Yes. In the very next scene. I was like, this editor's just like crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> Can we go ahead and Google like, that editor? He like baby Angela. I will, I will definitely. I am. I will. I am DVM. We'll send him our love <laughs> in this episode. Yeah. Um. So Serena and like Aunt Lydia it has just like such a great dynamic they're building in this season, which I love. Um, and so Serena has this like she's like has this like withdrawal from cigarettes and she's like very antsy. Yeah. And Aunt Lydia is just like really this like midwife, like taking the measurements. She goes around town, like making sure checking up on all the pregnancies, making sure they're all sa- okay. And she was like, Well, can a doctor just do that? Because she's really not enjoying the presence of Aunt Lydia. Especially since Hell the no, first time. Especially in that previous episode where she is smoking and Aunt Lydia comes over and she's like, Bloop, she just pulls that cigarette, boom, throws it down. Mothers so you can't really see smoke. Yeah, she's like mothers can't smoke. So you really kind of see the power, mm-hmm. you know, you see the power of Aunt Lydia. And then I started to think that maybe she has a little more sway than what she lets on, mm-hmm. you know, and then how you also see that Serena Joy, even though like she helps, you know, is helping writing laws and she's going around, she's just slapping house Negroes and all that kind of stuff <laughs> that she doesn't really have any sway. 
Yeah. You know, like she doesn't have any friends. She doesn't really have anything going with her husband. No, like real, like anything, you know. And we saw that on the walk. Like when she stopped to talk to those ladies, like that was not, that was not friendship. It was very like Real Housewives of Gilead. Yeah, that was super like Real Housewifey. I was like, meow. Yeah. my baby. (laughs) And then uh, what I find interesting is that um, throughout this first season, we keep talking about like sort of what the hierarchy of women or if it's like a caste system and who Mm -hmm. has sway over whom. And I think Abigail made the point that, like, you know, handmaids are very subjugated till the moment they're pregnant, and then they're sort of, like, held up on this pedestal. And um, Janine was, like, bragging that she can, like, do whatever the F she wanted after the baby was born. Yeah. And so now I I feel similarly, like, now that uh, Alfred is pregnant, Aunt Lydia really has more say than Serena ever will throughout this pregnancy until the baby is born. So I think that's super interesting. And she's like, one quote... um, this episode actually had quite a few quotes that I loved, but um, Aunt Lydia says, no small effort has been made to bring Alfred to heal. And I was just like, damn. They really know who their trouble people are. And it just yeah. so happened that someone who was very rambunctious and caused a lot of trouble is also pregnant. And so it became this huge um, strategy to how to bring her to heal. Because to have to chain up, you know, and they have no problem chaining up a pregnant woman, as we saw in one of the earlier oh, yeah. episodes, you know, just chaining them to it. But they went through the effort to get her back into the home. To get her back into the home. Why? Which is interesting. Why does that benefit them? You know, it's interesting because uh, I as mean, we besides see, Serena getting to see the pregnancy, like how Serena, does it actually benefit them? And I think a lot has to do with Fred because now we're getting into more of like governance. This is the first episode. He had a computer. Yes. Fred okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> because you know what I'm gonna. I was say like, dear God, Kay was right. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm gonna say about the computer. But <laughs> well, I think getting getting um, Alfred back into the house also helps to. Um, corroborate that story yes that, that the she was terrorist that she mm-hmm. was kidnapped yeah, and they kidnapped saved her, her and yeah. they saved and they bought her back that's yeah. very true you're right yeah. it I does make a lot of point. sense you're right that yeah. helps their story and then you see that little like passive aggressive like hmm and then she like writes right in her notebook <laughs> like she just made a note about serena fuck you well, she <laughs> make the, yeah who's she reporting to about that like i want to know i cannot wait to see who wait. she reports who she reports to. Ooh, Aunt Lydia has a boss. Ooh, I want to meet that person. I, I want to oh, meet that man. person. Who's his boss? I, I bet you the boss is scared of Aunt Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> I would have trust you. Um, you know, although, like, really super flashback to, um, I think, the episode in season one where Moira um, steals the aunt's outfit to escape, and the guardians are like, where are you going? She's like, and just open the door, and they're like, oh, okay, yes, okay. ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> so they must all be pretty uniformly terrifying, or yeah. else people wouldn't like, so be like, So that must mean fuck. whoever the aunts report to has to be at the top. Has to be, yeah. That yeah. means that they have Because they have a access. fucking pencil and can write and read As shit. pencil. So yeah. the aunts, even though they might not be at the top, whoever they report to is. Yeah. Like meaning they top. have like, de facto power. I don't even yeah. believe that the aunts as a unit report to the tippy top. I think it's just, it starts and ends with Aunt Lydia. Mm, interesting. <laughs> just, That'd be cool. Like, that would be cool. She gets whatever Like Aunt Lydia aunts, and then like Commander aunt Price, Linda, who seems goes, to be the top mm. at the moment. Was yeah. he the dude that Fred talked to? And was mm-hmm. just like, okay. Yeah. Man, you and know what? I was kind of like, I was riding with Fred in this episode because Fred, this was t- Fred's you, time to shine. Do you know why Commander Price said what he said to Fred? I do not know. Okay. So towards the, I think it was back in season one, we see that Nick is talking to Commander Price. 
Nick reports as an eye directly to Commander Price. He's spying on Fred to Price. Oh, okay. That so makes there's a sense. reason why he said you better figure out a way to keep Nick in your home. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. And then Aunt Lydia also has <laughs> an inter- like interaction with uh, Fred Waterford and uh, goes, a feeling it'll be a boy just like his father. And we're all like, well. <laughs> about that. Oh. <laughs> and Fred also knows that like probably oh, yeah, he not he, he yeah. He I, I think you get that like so so we're reemerging all of these very complicated I had this weird feeling even though I didn't know what you just told me. I had this weird feeling that Commander Fred knew when he was well when Fred was talking to Price rather. I had this feeling that Price knew something. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that he that up. Price knew that like Nick was like getting it in, and like that's not Fred's because I I it, I had this weird feeling like he just wanted him to See, get. I caught. don't know how yeah. much Nick has told Commander Price, but I do know that Commander Price hired Nick to spy on Fred. That's that's yeah. what I know. I don't know how much Nick's actually telling. Fred's no. not tough. No. no. So what's that thing? He's of, a weenie. He is a total <laughs> weenie. <laughs> he's just, like there was this line in um when Fred is talking to Nick, and I had to write it down. Because it was like a really good line. They had that really short scene. Yes. At the end. Oh, when Nick just says to Fred, by God's grace, I'll have a child of my own. Someday. Yes. <laughs> I was like. Yes. <laughs> it just had a lot going. A lot, a lot going. It had a lot of subtext. <laughs> You know what? That's what I appreciate about all the writing in this uh, series is that it's for epic. all of the shocking moments, we really get these intimate moments and it all builds up and it pays off in an episode like this where all of the secrets, all the information, and yes. they're really just like, it's like a Chekhov play, this episode yeah. was. Yeah. You know, everything they're saying literally means something else. And like, it's either like a power play or a dig at somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was like, I think this episode really helped me to get into the show. Yeah. Like what, I, you weren't into it before this? I had all these kind of like prejudices about the show going into Because I had heard about the show a while ago. And I was like, oh, I read the book when I was in college. And I really dug the book. Mm-hmm. I liked the book okay. more than I thought I would like it. Okay. And um, I was like, oh, maybe I'll check out the show. And I just never really got around to it. And okay. then I was like, oh, man, that shit looks sad as hell. <laughs> and, then, and then I started to watch a few episodes. I was like, oh, it is sad as hell. <laughs> You're not wrong. No, I wasn't wrong You're at all. Wrong. But then there was somebody like, I think somebody like Janine helped me to navigate the story. Yeah. Because Janine, you ain't going to stop Janine's shine. Right. Yes! This girl yes. will party no matter where she is. She's just so happy. She's so psychologically broken. She, nothing can bring her down. She's so nothing. pure. Nothing's going to stop but her. But she shine. wasn't pure before. No, she no, was an asshole. She was. She was well, rough. She, she was Do you really remember rough. that one and only scene where she sits down and she's slouching and she's just like, fuck the police? Like, yeah, fuck she's the like world. She's just like, Ugh. it was and like then a they crotch get... shot. And it was like, I yes. knew you didn't just do a crotch shot. They you did. In you in trouble. And then they take out her eye, and all of a sudden, it's roses and daisies. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> one way to bring a person here. You know what I'm saying? Right? Like, that, that's crazy. And ever since. And then, so we do get to the col- back to the colonies, um, which I like. And then I had a question. I'm like, how do the aunts stay fucking healthy? I mean, when they're in the field, they wear the all the protective gear and the mask. The gear, but yeah. I'm assuming that at night they they're not have, there. Yeah, because they're not there at night. But I also Medical think that and that's just because I th- I thought about that like hardcore, and I'm yeah. just like. 
It's a terrible job. You have a terrible job. Well, because after you hit so many rads, you're you can't go back anymore. So I'm assuming there must be like a rotational, like in and out. I think Maybe. it's just like it's just Maybe. ground level. That's like the mailroom job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you just go in there and you do it for a while. And as long as you don't fuck up, mm-hmm. you just move up to the next level. Oh, interesting. But yeah, but you don't you don't really state it. But you or pay like the entry it. level on is like this. Like yeah, like entry level on. It's kind of right. like it reminds me of like the overseers. Like it, when you watch like a slave movie and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like the overseers. It's like, you know, it sucks because you still like out there. I'm mean, like you're on horseback. You're not picking cotton, but you still like it. It's like 113 fucking degrees outside, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you in this stank and it's funky, and you're around a bunch of people you do not care to be around. Right, you know, right. so it's still like this entry level. It sucks. You want to like work your way up, get mm-hmm. away from the field, yeah, and like get closer to the house or like get a travel job. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't want to be out. So I think that that's how those aunts are you know on that level yeah and i wouldn't be surprised like a lot of um radiology doctors like they wear those very special pins on their uh their lapels Uh, and whatnot and then you know once they hit a certain level like they have to go to detox then they're done for a little bit until they can go back in because you can't hit a certain level of rads without getting sick gotcha so i wouldn't be surprised if under those suits they're wearing something like that to identify and then once they're done they're done and as long as you haven't fucked up until you hit that level of rad then you're good to go yeah yeah that's totally totally valid totally valid i don't know why i had that question i just want to know what the hell they doing out there why are they digging okay, in the so earth? Kay has this theory, and she's, I guess, read it somewhere. I don't know. But if you turn the soil at one of those locations, um, eventually you will have healthy soil that you can then use. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was like if you get deep enough. But yeah, that makes sense. Like if you spread out and then like you're just digging around, at some point you're going to turn healthy soil. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I kind of thought about that. Or it does that. it like it, the, the, it processes faster than if you just like let it sit there. Yeah, right. don't let yeah, it sit yeah, Because yeah, letting yeah. it sit there will take and it'll con- And it'll contaminate years. like everything. Yeah. Know? Right. But continuously moving it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you, we started Tilling to see. Tilling the soil. Tilling the soil. Correct. Yeah. So, um. You started to see some of the weeds growing. Like that's yeah. that's good proof that the soil. Yeah, they had like through. little. Oh like, yeah, those herb little plants, weeds grew. Yeah, those little the, funky like, ass dandelions. And um, Emily and um, I think it's episode one or two when we get to the unwomen. I think it is episode two. She has like a mint plant. Yeah, you know. So yeah. there is a little bit there's, of like viable soil. It's working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So their efforts are working. It is yeah. fruitful. Yeah. It just sucks. And um, I, Gilead is all about this, like ironically, like all about like we're a hundred percent organic solar organic i was uh, just riding with it i was into it i'm like no things are organic now it's the world we live in it's a it's a technical term no um a hundred percent he brags to like i think the mexican delegation about how they're a hundred percent organic and uh solar and like they're very green so they've gone back to like a lot of practices you're like yeah "Yeah, i vibe with that also you're still horrible doesn't make up for that still awful so awful however however and it's rape yeah. yeah, that's the thing. That's, that's the thing about the show, especially when I first started watching it. And I was just like, oh, this is a drag because it was like I'm either watching sex slavery or just good old fashioned regular slavery. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, such a drag. There's a doubt. But like after a while, I was just like all of that, that, like, that kind of like motif aside, I started to kind of like dig into it, especially with this episode. And. And really kind of feeling for, like, Serena Joy. I was like, your life sucks. It really does. Because all she has to live for is this child right now. Yeah. Like, she was trying to talk to Fred. She's like, oh, this is She's, like, making small talk and stuff. Trying to get wet. And Fred's just like, get the fuck away. "Mm -mm." I'm doing shit. Mm -hmm. And then that's when Serena, like, starts to try to, like, 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 poke at Fred on purpose. And goes... You know, Nick is so sweet. Isn't it <laughs> so nice? We have someone who cares so much for 
Alfred. And I'm just like, yeah, she's so shady. And that great, like, the DP for this show, Colin uh, Watkinson, I believe his last name is. And that scene where, like, it's just, like, Fred and his laptop. And he's just, like, sipping coffee. <laughs> 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 I'm like, this is so good. I this is totally, laughing. it's, like, the exact, like, sipping coffee meme. You know what I mean? Like, this, yeah. like sipping, sipping tea. That's what it is. The sipping tea. The sipping tea, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. It, but okay, so I will say that this episode, I saw a different side of Serena. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if anyone else will agree with me, but she felt different the whole way through. From from the first moment you see her when um, Aunt Lydia is taking measurements, like she's just, and she even comments on um, June, on Alfred, saying, hey, doesn't she seem a little bit different? Doesn't she seem a little bit off? Or for this wild of a child, like, all of a sudden, she's not the same. Like, it was, she even comments on how it's, like, you know, night and day. Like, she's commenting on it. And then she's, like, antsy about it. They're going out on a walk. I can't have this one-sided conversation. Yes, Mrs. Waterford. No, Mrs. Waterford. Do you say anything else? Sure, Mrs. Waterford. (laughs) Jesus Christ! Like, Like she misses the rebelliousness. She did. She did. She missed it. She can't get over it. She missed it, it, yeah. Now there's nothing for her until to wait for the sun. Because that was her, her I I felt like, kind of leaping in at that point. I was like, oh, you miss your little friend. Yeah. Yeah, that was her little friend, her little running buddy. They were were like frenemies. Yeah, they were frenemies. Yeah, it was like, uh, what's that, Mean Girls or something like that. Or, it wasn't mean speaking girls, of whatever. mean girls though um the real housewives of gilead like for real like they commander really uh, not commander um the mrs putnam whose baby is angela and goes oh what an intimate baby shower you had how nice my marthas were cleaning up for days after mine and i'm just like bitch like who yeah. what the fuck yeah, and, but it she was said also marthas like, she's she got marthas, like a see? big old. she's got several marthas i was right about yeah. you were several right marthas. about that, that i caught hard, that that hard faced lady the mother of baby Angela? Uh, Mrs. Putnam. Mrs. Putnam? Mm-hmm. Oh, she got a terrible face. She looked too old to have babies. Like, yeah. Anybody's she, baby. She Her own cute. baby, another lady's baby. Yeah. She looks rough. <laughs> <laughs> She's a pack of Not the cutest, but... Uh, no. And then I liked that dig that Serena had. Never misses an opportunity to complain about that child. I'm like, yeah. wait until you have your sweetheart. Yeah. How much yeah. sleep that baby are you going to get? That did not look good. No. That baby did not look healthy. No. No. (laughs) Poor Angela. That baby looked like it had a drinking problem. Poor baby. (laughs) Poor baby. We're sorry to whoever's baby that really is in real life. No, I I think that's just makeup. No, the baby, it did. It kind of looked like it had like that stuff that babies have though. Yes, yes. Jaundice or gout or something. I don't know what (laughs) babies have. Jaundice. It's jaundice. Gout is old people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, speaking of the laptop, we brought up the laptop. Yes, the laptop. Does oh the laptop God. have internet? Okay, so I don't know, but he was typing no. a whole hell of a lot. So obviously they're, I mean. Maybe like an internal like FTP or something like that. That might have been an inner office. Yeah. I don't know. Inner office memo. Know. But I know that like they're typing. So obviously they're printing and they're sharing memos, whether it's by physical USB drives, meaning no one else cannot interfere with the process of sharing, whatever yeah. that terminology should be. Or if they have like actual Wi-Fi, I don't know. You know, I think there's a misnomer. There's a a misnomer, I think, in some dystopian cultures, like especially like after this coup, that like there's it's synonymous with like um, post. I think um, dystopian and post-apocalyptic worlds are different, and sometimes they get mixed. And so I feel like sometimes when you watch a dystopia, you assume post-apocalyptic things like no internet or um, you know uh, technology. 
So because women are very restricted on the the things that they can do, we assume that those things don't exist. But I'm sure at the higher levels, they have all of the yeah. great modern technologies that they can possibly have. Mm -hmm. So they're not a tech. I don't believe they're a technology adverse, but they are traditional in their values. So right. I think they have to justify whatever they do in terms of that. But whenever you go into like the doctor's office or like the hospital at the end, they still have tech, it's, yeah. it's very sterile, very, very high tech. So. So I think it's an important distinction to make that they're not technologically adverse, but... But we have to keep in mind that, remember that note that June wrote? Yeah. It took three weeks for it to get to Luke. Yeah. Like a physical note. Well, it yeah. had to probably change. I don't know how many I hands. don't know how many hands it had to change. I don't know what the route was. But you but know, the post office weeks, in trouble right now. In yeah. 2018. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but if it took... Hard to get a <laughs> But if it took three weeks, I'm willing to bet they don't have internet access. Because they would have, like, snapped a pic. It and could be like, that thing yeah, of how true. the internet had been around since, like, 1979, but it was just, like, exclusive to the military. So it's probably reverted back to that. Yeah. Where yeah. it's just, like... Only certain people. Yeah, just the commanders and, you know... Well, even before that, it started out with just scientists. Um, we went over Fred and Commander Price uh, trying to get Nick reassigned and that whole dynamic. And uh, Okay, so for a split second during that ceremony, I thought that he was getting boot, like bumped up. Like I didn't yeah. realize he was getting a wife flat. I thought he was getting a wife and like a home. Yeah, I thought he was getting a wife and a promotion. I didn't realize that that just meant that his promotion was him doing the same job, but with a wife. Just getting a wife. I didn't realize that that was a thing. He just got a wife. I think that's a promotion yeah. somehow. That I was, I guess, I was looking back like in the um, book, and so the Pravaganza is technically um, in the book a mass wedding ceremony between the wives' daughters getting married off. But here, it's really about the guardians getting like a an arranged marriage, right? And it, it is like a status thing because um, in the book, the offer does mention, you know. Um, that the guardians do get like once you re get to a certain rank then you are awarded quote unquote a wife okay. um and then like maybe the house is like a step further than that you know so we're so it may not be the same but it also could be like you know the writers just sort of changed it slightly to sort of fit this storyline so it's a little unclear if anybody out there um has more clear info on how that promotion info works that would well, be that, great th that does still make sense though because you yeah. said that the the wives daughters get married off well i mean they are daughters they're very young and they're it seemed like the okana wives the okana wives daughters got yeah. married off it does seem like that like it's working class like what we were talking like they about got a, bumped up yeah. which is nice for them i suppose yeah like moving up like a like a caste system we were talking about um in the earlier episode of like where people fall it would be like you need a working class to like keep the society going people Definitely. to drive the bread trucks and people like to bake the bread there's a little bit of mobility here if you're allowed to move up like with a marriage yeah but i don't suppose that like could a guardian move up to be a commander question mark give it a few seasons let's find out yeah if this thing yeah if this thing is going to survive yeah then yeah you because yeah after like the commanders or it could be um patriarchal you know, so like if you happen to have a son in your family line, I'm sure that person immediately becomes like a, a commander of That'd status. Be interesting at some. To see. My thought process here is that Nick is so close to Commander Price that it might just be that if he gives Commander Price what he's looking for, like enough intel, if he serves him well, whatever, blah, 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 give him enough time, 
he might be promoted well above what would be normal because of his connection to Commander Price. True. I mean, I think as the season has gone on, we are getting more glimpses of how this government actually works because, you know, sometimes you assume like when it's like a totalitarian society, like orders just come down the chain. But no, this is actually a work. Like you have to run a government. They have to run a country. Right. So their objective is to just not be these these figureheads they're they're they still have to deal with the world at large right which we we get lots of pieces of they deal with canada being against them they deal with mexico trying to trade with them right and and all sort of these little pieces that we're getting here and all there. these sanctions from canada right things like that so the more that we get into governance that is another like and i'm curious interesting to get into the hierarchy of the boys because we're right. very we know very well what sort of is happening with the women at this point um but to to get more into what's really happening with these people in in the government is going to be interesting, which I think in if you watch the trailer for episode six, we're going to get more of in uh, episode six. It'll be interesting. I am curious, though, what Fred's actual role is, because yeah. for all through season one, I thought he was this really hella powerful person. Now I'm just like, nah, he's a slime ball that does really not much. And like we see when he's like golfing with some or not. He wasn't golfing. They're they were shooting, shooting, shooting with some buddies. Yeah. And he was like. You know, if the council deems it's okay, like I would love to go to Canada and advocate for less sanctions, blah blah blah. And Commander Price, uh, Price was like, like uh, eh. "No, thanks eh. though, bye." Commander <laughs> Price has said something else shady in that scene too. Yeah, right. I was like, I "Oh, I does your ha- is your house in order?" Yeah, yeah, because well, yeah, Fred was like, "Oh, you know, my house is ordered." He goes back. That's what yeah, it was. Back in order. That's Keep it in order. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. It's like shit like that where I was just like. I get this show. I understand <laughs> what is happening. Yes. You know, yes. it's like, this is one of those things It's like, okay, it's salacious. It's these secrets and these lies. Mm-hmm. And these people are just being shady and scandalous. Yeah. And this little cul-de-sac. It's kind of epic. Yeah. And then and then going back to the workplace and then like with the government and stuff. So, you know, it's it's it, it's a lot. It's a lot going on. It's, it's some good stuff. I dig there. it though. Yeah, it's totally diggable. <laughs> um, so we get to the big... Well, before this, we start this um, storyline with Alfred really just uh, being very distant. And so mm. distant and disconnected that when she starts bleeding, and when you're bleeding and you're pregnant, not good. Oh, I made terrible. a note that I thought she was miscarrying. Yeah. Totally thought she was miscarrying. And she was just like, okay, and, and like when this happened, I was like, every And then woman, Rita walked in, and I was like, tell Rita! Tell Rita she doesn't tell anybody. She tells nothing. She tells nobody. She's and just then, gonna bleed out. No well, big deal. I was gonna say that every woman has done this, but you know when you like wrap the toilet paper. Oh yeah, and no. have a makeshift pad. She totally did that. Yeah. Yeah. Every woman's done that. Oh God, yes, we all have. But speaking of uh, cinematography again, is that that scene where she is obviously just continuously bleeding, and she's in the tub of water, and she's just yes. like up to her chin and in just blood like water. blood water. I was like. What in the... That was crazy. Fucking. And she was just numb. Yeah. Just just totally no not cares. herself. And getting to the Pravaganza, pre- what I find interesting is that she's been so distant and spacey up until then. And then this is when I think the it starts to crack her back to reality. Yeah. Is seeing Nick up there getting married and i think there's no doubt that there's obviously like chemistry and lust but there's an she extreme she's a, there's an extreme amount of care between nick and june mm. an extreme amount of care that they that they really care for each other and he i want to say looking up at her and yeah. like i don't want to see they've never yearning. said they've never said love but i'm sure it's something like love where they've they have feelings they well they did make love yeah in the previous episode yeah so, so 
I, there were you, volunteer reactions. It was some hard effing in the transition <laughs> <laughs> into sweet, sweet lovemaking. Uh, I, I, I do remember I that feel, power play. Yes, yes, it was sexy. I feel that watching um, Elizabeth Smalls performance in this scene is, I feel like she was very affected by this fact like she really loves Nick, you know, for in, in, so in whatever capacity. And to see him be married off like this, like really got to her and it started to crack her. Like it was like the thing that was strong enough to get through her, you know, thing that's going on in her mind that's totally shut her off. And then Serena turns around and was like, doesn't you look so handsome? And oh, just she's a little bitch. I wrote in my notes. Doing. I wrote in my notes like Serena and Fred looking so very fucking pleased with themselves at <laughs> 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 like, doing this shit for two completely different reasons. For two, yeah, and um, yeah, and so as we go um, on with this storyline, and I think her name is Eden Eden Spencer. Eden Spencer. Eden. Good. Um, <laughs> and fucking Rita, it was like uh. So that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I need I more Rita it. in my life. Please give me more Rita. <laughs> and Her she does, she makes she makes the comment that the brides are young, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, and just in case you couldn't tell, yeah, she <laughs> couldn't tell. More clarification. They're fucking young shit. The scene where um, Serena Joy and Eden are like preparing for like the wedding night. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. What do god. you guys think about that? I thought I okay, was like, so what is the purpose of this scene? Okay. But I had a tender moment for Serena because she looked over and she was like, Has your well, she said without looking over, you know, has your mother explained to you what's going to happen on the night? And there was no response, and she's like, Okay, good. And then she asked a couple of follow-up questions, and then um the little girl was like, But I thought that's lust. Mm. Oh, that was and cool. she yeah. was like, not and then she, she sat down on the bed with the with the little girl, which is like, no, it doesn't have to be. Between a man and a wife, it's not lust. It's just a marriage, and you're allowed to enjoy it. Mm. Like, that was a really tender moment to have essentially a sex talk with someone who you just met, I don't know, 50 minutes ago, maybe, and to sit down and be like, this is our first conversation. I'm going to tell you it's okay to have an orgasm. Like, that's really yeah, what's happening really. right now. I think it's interesting because the article that we talked about last week, the criticism that the um, writer had in this article of from not being The Guardian. Enough. Of not necessarily being feminist enough. I feel like Me Too. And yeah, like the, the shift we have in the feminist movement away from, like, criticizing, you know, what's wrong with the patriarchy and instead focusing inwards on what it means to be, like, a full like pleasurable you know like advocate for your own pleasure in relationships and right. things like that mm. this was a fantastic moment for that yeah and i feel like that connected it which is strange because we were talking about how you know it's hard for a show to keep up with like things that happen by the minute when this show was written and shot like a year ago you know what i'm saying yeah. so it's interesting that moment happened and i was like haha that writer only had to wait one more episode <laughs> and she would have had this moment and she is was like you know it's okay for it to be pleasurable for you too which is very modern Right. Very modern. And I think in the preview for episode six, um, if you haven't seen it, we, we're going to get a lot of Serena being like the modern woman that she used to be. I was going to say, because it's kind of sounded like, you know, if you have more questions, just ask me because yeah. we live in the same house. She's sort of becoming this like mother figure to this woman. And I think why 
I, you know, was thinking about it after the episode, like, why did she spend so much time in that scene with her? And I'm like, then that means that I think Eden's going to be really important to the story going forward. I think this is really going to truly drive a wedge. I mean, how can it not? I mean, it's fucking married. Like, how how can it not? How can it not drive a wedge? Obviously, it's going to drive a wedge. But let's pretend, you know, in 10 years that all of Gilead's gone and we start over. Mm -hmm. This marriage is totally resolved as nothing. Like, it's mm. not a real thing anymore. Mm. Everything that happened during Gilead, gone. Like, mm-hmm. all absolved. Yeah. So, like, it only matters during Gilead. After Gilead, what does it matter? Like, you go to Canada, all of a sudden, it means nothing. But what is your timeline? I mean, from the beginning of uh, Offred first becoming a handmaid to this moment, it's, we're it's talking about almost three to four years. years. Yeah. Well, it's three years to episode one of season one. Mm-hmm. So, we're probably about a year past that. We're about yeah. four years now. So, she's about 34 years old. Oh, nice. Yes, my timeline has happened, people. It has happened. <laughs> yeah. And you, you drew up a lovely timeline here. On the it's floor. on the floor. <laughs> it's on the floor right now. We're, we're, we're viewing. We're going to scan process. it. We're going to put it in. Scan I've got it dates. It's, it's going I've on the got website. ages. Got things figured out for you guys. It's very exciting. <laughs> it's very exciting. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate I'm that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I just, I thought that was just such an interesting moment because very, we don't really have serena talking to anyone like in a non-demeaning way outside of her social class but <laughs> you know what? i think what helped with that scene and what helped with serena was that she really needed someone to talk to yeah okay she ha- okay yeah. she know. gave up because she doesn't have offered anymore yeah offered Ooh, you're right yeah. she needed a new person Ooh, yeah she needed person. a friend and i think this is going to be her friend yeah Ooh, you know i think that's going to really be her role I didn't think show. about that before. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I have a feeling Eden's going to be very anti-Offred. Really? I think at some point, I don't know. I just feel she like she's going to she find if she out. Sniff, if she sniffs her out yeah. and she see what's going on, if she, yeah, if she get an if idea what's going on yeah. with her man and Offred, Oh, yeah, she's you're not right. Then she might not like her. You're right. And, well, and if she finds the letters. <gasps> oh, what if she finds the letters, guys? Girl. What's going to happen? What's she going to do? She gonna turn her husband in. What's she gonna do? Well, you know, getting to like the end of the episode here to skip forward is that, um, you know, I'm confused about this moment on how Alfred ends up on the ground outside in the garden. Yeah, I okay, didn't want to jump the conclusions, jump, but, but maybe she was trying to just. So the last thing we saw was know. she sat down on the ledge of, in her room of her room, mm-hmm. and she's bleeding hysterically, like she's about to bleed out. I and don't think she fell from any place because she would have had like fell. bones broken or anything. Exactly. I think maybe she was she, just like being done, a space cadet. She wouldn't cadet. still be pregnant if she fell. I think she I, was I think a space cadet and just like walked out into the garden and then like collapsed. She was delusional. <laughs> yeah. When you lose enough blood, you're delusional. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe she was actually going to get help and she just ended up no, in the garden. No, she could have gotten help three she, days ago. She kind of like went in the wrong direction for help, <laughs> I think. No, no, no. Okay, so I did skip a very important scene is when she's bleeding profusely and she knows that she's in trouble. She walks out to go get help from her room and she stops about a foot out of the door and she walks back into her room. So that I feel... And then I she goes to the bathroom and then she walks back and then she goes to the bathroom. Like, she's just walking in circles for about 10 minutes. And whether that's unconscious or not like is she having like a visceral reaction that like this is the thing she always has an internal monologue that we can hear and we couldn't hear at this episode and it bothers me yeah i feel like that was a conscious decision to walk back into the room and put the baby in jeopardy because when you're pregnant and you're having she didn't want serena to have her baby yeah and it's not only just about the baby like the mother could also die you know, I thought about that, too. When she was sitting on the ledge, I'm like, oh, she wants to die. OK, mm. cool. I'm cool with that. 
Like, I can see you wanting to die in this moment. Like, nope, I have no yeah. qualms. Good for you for, like, taking advantage of your own future. I think there's just so much going on with her in this moment that it's not, like, to me, it didn't jump out directly as, like, one clear, like, so, motivation. Okay, so let's you know listen out Because there's a lot of different options. You know, yeah. she could have tried to kill the baby. Mm-hmm. This could have been the moment where she's like, Serena, you will not have this. Mm-hmm. You do not get to have this from me. Mm-hmm. It could have been, oh, this is my opportunity to bleed out and die. I can escape this place of my own free will. I'm going to take it. Mm. Or it could have been... um, maybe I should get help and she was going back and forth and she didn't make the decision in time and then she became delusional and started wandering around without thoughts. Yeah. I don't know. Any other options? Because those are the three I got. Yeah. I mean, they're all options. That's why it's like very like, I I was just so like floored when she did that. I was like, what is she doing? So. I guess that maybe that's the beauty of not having that internal monologue playing because yeah. we don't know what's going on in our head for once. Yeah. And that so, was one of the, I think, super cool things about the mm-hmm. episode too yeah. was that for once the we mystery. Don't know. It was so much mystery surrounded so much by mystery. her motivations. I thought maybe she was terrified, like not terrified, but I, I thought she was like, oh man. I'm going to be in trouble. Yes, oh. I did think that. That she, <laughs> that they were going to blame her. She's like, it's such options. a daze. Yeah. She's like, oh man, they're going to get my ass. It's nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So remember the last time when she found out she had a period and she and it was just a late period, she got the shit beat out of her. Yeah, yeah she was locked up for like two weeks, not allowed to like step out of her so room. So like ending up in the hospital would be the safer option than to tell her, oh, I'm miscarrying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, um, you know, Nick finds her, which so we're and, oh assuming. Oh my god, I cried. I wasn't supposed to cry that episode. Like, why? Yeah, that was really. That was emotional. That was, really, that was happy that he found her too. That was happy. You know, because that's like that's mom and dad out there in like the little. And garden. he's screaming, and it's raining, and he's crying. It's another one of those where oh. like the audio, it's just like the music. It's just that you know, there's no dialogue, and he's obviously yeah, but like you calling can see for it. help. You can see. Yeah. It. Yeah. So. Before this we editor get, did a fantastic job with the did. audio. This, yeah. this, oh god, I loved it. So we get Alfred in the hospital, and should we find out that she's still pregnant? Yes. And she was like, "You're a tough old fucker, aren't you?" Tough, <laughs> tough old F-O-B. And then she went under the covers because she realized it was a two in there. Yeah, what is the observation window? That's weird and creepy. But I guess you know she's known her. to be a troublemaker. Yeah, I mean, of Good course, she's her. known to escape. Window. So yeah. I'm not surprised. There's no way they're going to leave it to her own device. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh, not again. So she, so now we see her really fully out of this daze, that this, this disconnect she's been in. You know, she says, I will not let you grow up in this place. You know, they do not own you. She's they back. do not own what you become. I'm going to get you out of here. I'm going to get us out of here. I promise. And she keeps, she promises over and over. So I think she's back. That yes. whole, yeah, she's back. And so now we have a hope. And so it only took an episode. We're good. But it, I feel like now <laughs> we're like sort of at this middle ground again. Right. Cause I feel like the whole first episode is building her up to be this like, you know, really, um, drone, not drone. Like, um, the, the whole first season of her being this rebellious, oh, like season. subversive person and, and she gets really bold yeah at the mm-hmm. beginning of the second season and she's just like in your face about it yeah and then now we've you know gone the other direction where she's this robot drone person and now so like we're sort of somewhere in the middle of that like she's had that experience she's you know gone the other direction so now it becomes like now what? is the moment where she starts to get really creative yeah and smart i am ex- actually very excited to see where this goes because she's gonna be very because now it. it's not sort of like the attitude that is gonna get that's your not gonna way. Drive her. it's not gonna drive her anymore right this, because that's think it's about not it gonna way, be effective though. 
She's got six months. She does. She has a lot, quite she a bit of pregnancy left. Mm-hmm. She yeah. has six months, and then she's got to get her ass out of there. That's very true. It's wild because she's got to get herself out, that baby, and, and Hannah. her kid. Yeah, Hannah. And she's got to get Hannah that out. That entire scene, I was like, what about Hannah, though? Oh, yeah. She's got to get them all out. That's mm-hmm. a lot of work. That's a lot of work. That's why she has to do it before she gives birth. And now Nick doesn't have the freedom that he used to because now he has a wife that and is going to keep, keep tabs, tabs on him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of wife, though, I mean, the other storyline that's running concurrently with oh, this yeah. is at the colonies. Yes. And so we get a glimpse of like sort of this relationship between these two unwomen, Kit and uh, Fiona. Fiona. And, and they're sort of having a love thing. And we're like, oh, that's the, interesting. The relationship between Emily and, and Janine. Janine. Absolutely. Because they did know each other in the Red Center. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so not acting the same. Well, Emily's very vindictive. I mean, yeah. we saw what she did to the wife that came. Like, like, like literally murdered her. Like, yeah. poisoned her and killed her. <laughs> <laughs> was it, who was it? Was it Marissa Tomei? Yes. She, she killed Marissa. Pretty cool little Marissa Tomei. I know. She did. She's vicious. With her MFA. Yeah, she <laughs> she's vicious. She's a very hardened person now. She's very, you know, she's very hardened person. She's very, very bitter. Um, and we see, like, Emily, like, loses a tooth. So, like, now the radiation's getting to her. She's getting yeah. to the point where she's going to be sick very soon. Yes. Yeah. And we see over and over again in this episode the aftermath of what it means to die in the colonies. I mean, eventually you just, you know, you have that, radiation you go poison there. and you, you die. What she say? She says... Uh, if you're lucky, you die in your sleep. Mm-hmm. What was it? We come here, we work, we die. Yep. You know, and then that's and Janine is it. there, and Janine, all of her pureness, and is just like sets up the wedding, and it's just she just was so like, cute. "Hey, I set this wedding up," and Emily <laughs> was like, "What the hell did you do that for?" You know, I love that scene though. And then she said, "But now they get to die happy." Yeah, yeah. that was yeah, that was Janine's yes. retort. She was like, "Oh, we gonna die, but we gonna die happy." Yeah. She is, <laughs> Yes. Which is great. Like, what a great attitude to have. I know she's a space cadet, but good for her. Yeah. I also feel that the Janine has has shifted in some way because it, this is not peak space cadet Janine. But she, Isn't it? but no, I don't <laughs> think it is. I don't think this is peak space she cadet was like Janine. And I don't pussy think. pussy willows in the wind and shit. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. See, someone's on my side. <laughs> okay, hear me out. Hear me out. I. Because the rationality that Janine has, like, it just seems so grounded. Like, it's just, like, in her, like, in her now. And it's not coming from a place of, like, the personality protecting itself. You know what I mean? Like, she was just like, this is the things I believe. You know what's going on now? It's like internalized. It's internalized. She's like God. She's like she has her faith, Mm -hmm. and she's gonna hold fast in her faith. And And she's like, she says God saved her life twice. So I think she thinks that she's probably invincible. Yeah. And if not, when she dies, she's going to heaven. She's gonna be. And you know what? Good for Mm. her. Yeah. Yeah. If that's what keeps her happy till the end of time, like good for fucking her. I think that's such like a great a conversation that they had um, about the wedding and everything because I love the the blowing the dandelion. Like (laughs) you are literally in a toxic (laughs) wasteland. Like hold up, I see something beautiful. Yes. (laughs) Like what is not? Let me engage in art. 
And then their side conversation, could you imagine the wives? Oh, the scandal. Yeah, <laughs> they had dandelions growing in the yard. Just such dude. a juxtaposition of like the, the, the two positions that they've been in so far. It's I like really when Emily <laughs> yells at Janine and she's just like, you know, you got these women getting married and you got all this stuff going on in the slaughterhouse. And yeah. she's like, you, you're dressing with your yes. flowers and you're dressing up. The slaughterhouse was for the when we're cows and all this stuff. And then Janine turns to her and goes, Cows can't get married. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is this show? <laughs> and you still want to defend Janine for not being a t- peak space cadet? Okay. Well, 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 well. I love her anyway. I think I we all love Janine. I think it's a universal. She's the best. I don't want her to die. No. You know, they she's can release. Relief. She is the com- yeah. she's the comedy that that show needs. And yes. they got, they're gonna get rid of her soon. She's about to die. She's gonna die. She's been sent to die. She's been sent to die. God gonna save her life again. You know, Unless they're gonna like eradicate that place or something miraculous to save her character. I don't know. <laughs> Anything's right. possible. I she think- already said I've survived two times. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked, guys. She'll survive yeah. this shit. Will she? You're right. That could that could be uh, that could I be foreshadow. I put money. Things happen in three. She will at least know. last until the end right. of the season. the end of the season. Yeah, at we do have a season. season. We have a whole season three. Things so. happen in threes. Okay, she's been saved twice. You're right. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked, guys. Well, Emily seems to be really degrading pretty fast. Um, yeah, Emily's it, gone. The it going. So now we have two very tight timelines. You know, uh, Alfred is due in six months. Um, and Emily is Emily's gonna die before that. Gonna die soon. Mm-hmm. So yeah, soon. what I find interesting about that was that like Emily has just become this very bitter, hardened person. And this whole can you blame her though? This no, and you can't. That's the point. I think she's been she so no ground clit. down to the system. Oh my god, she doesn't have a clit. That's she <laughs> fucking got circumcised. It's not funny. That's they not what we're like. his reaction was because yeah. <laughs> when I saw it. And clearly, I blocked it out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but when I saw it, I, it it reminded me of uh, there's it still like villages diaper. in Africa where that, they yeah. do yeah. that, and yeah. they be ironing down your boobies and stuff. Mm. Oh, God. And it's I all it's all hurt. for the sake of like so you don't get raped mm. by like I mean, yeah. dudes in your village and like traveling villagers. So mm. like, yeah, we're just gonna beep beep boop boop, and then and a lot of the times they come here so mm-hmm. they move over here and, and they, they still the do yeah. the um circumcision of the clit yeah and uh female genital mutilation there was a case where um they had arrested a doctor for performing it for like families who were um you know immigrants and you know just you know they didn't you know realize the culture had like you know obviously changed around that right and so that they were still carrying on this practice and found this particular doctor who was willing to do it so that person was arrested um i think that that happened last year so i mean I, it does happen in the united states i mean mm-hmm. I, I don't doubt that there's other doctors out there that that continue to do that so um and so Emily so has, has so has much to be left. so much to be bitter about, but like the presence of Janine, that pureness. It's by the end of the episode, you know, the, the after the wedding ceremony, obviously they're carting off, and I, I always I think it's cliche, but I always feel like you know in these ugly situations, like where is the beauty? Mm-hmm. And so Janine has brought out the beauty, and yes. then like the rabbi reciting the prayers, like I don't care if they're not Jewish, who cares? God doesn't yes, care, really right? Really so like important. some things that just, were significant like, I asked before about because she's not Jewish and. The rabbi said it doesn't matter because because God doesn't care. And like she's just so happy and pure. She's really 
excited about it. So I think like the things that like we've had this conversation before about like the things that mattered before and the things that don't matter so much now. So like what is truly important in these really tough situations. So that's, you know, the rabbi like, you know, the funeral procession kind of thing going on, like to have these rights, even though, you know, we're in this really horrible place, like maintaining these like human dignities to afford, you know, the people around us, you know, the, the dignity of, you know, yeah, of, of being married, um, of love, you know, dignity of having, you know, your funeral rights, whatever they may be, just, just to have, you know, a formal, you know, way to send this person off, I think was really touching, like, mm-hmm. that they take the time to do this when, you know, they're obviously in a situation that's extremely, extremely, extremely ugly. Like, I think the one of the worst situations you could be in in, in, in Gilead at the moment. I think any, every position in Gilead is, has a lot of drawbacks, but, I mean, it's an extremely brutal place, this, you know, the colonies uh, are making out to be. Does being yeah. a commander have a drawback? You know, the Well, you're thing being spied on. You are being spied on. Yeah, but do, being do they know on. that? Don't know. You know what? So there you go. You can live in ignorance. Well, you know, Commander did get his hand cut off, so they know their consequences. Yeah. They know there are consequences if they act up, if they're not pure. It's crazy because even in that, the commanders are just like, like no one is ever having a good time. Yeah. No one's except Janine. (laughs) (laughs) And they're gonna get rid of her. Just jump her. Like I said. We're going to get saved. She's going to get saved it's the gonna, third time. It's going to happen. It's going to live through and this. Then, and then she will think she's actually invincible and that God's on her side. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that she's perfect. And <laughs> well, Janine's perfect. What can you say? She's amazing. I think that that presence of Janine and her um, and her energy really turned Emily around from the, the really bitter, hard place she was. And, I th- and what I got from Emily's final scene in the episode was that she sort of has this renewed sense right? Like the tooth's falling out. She knows her time is running out. Mm-hmm. And now Janine comes in and sort of is sort of this really like breath of fresh air. Like maybe there is hope. Maybe there is something. And like, you know, I think Emily at that just point had just like given up. Look just, damn yeah, down. just given up. So maybe, you know, Emily's going to find, I predict Emily might find a way to try to get herself out. I think that's really? my, I think Ooh. that's my prediction. I'm gonna stick to that. I think that's what's coming down the line. Well, the show's gotta go somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. We got a lot of show to fill. Got a lot of show to fill. Um, and of course, you know, June makes the proclamation at the end. June's back, so we know she's um, going to go down that path for sure. Um, anything else for this episode that we haven't? gone over i mean i think i mean we didn't get any more of the canadian timeline so we've got three timelines going we've got the base timeline which is gilead we Mm -hmm. got the colonies timeline and we got the canadian timeline but yeah we we don't get a lot from what's happening in canada other than like the character development from moira so yeah i think there's definitely more to come from that for sure. All right, so we've made some predictions. We've made some predictions. We'll find so, out next week. So Mike Barker, um, uh, who directed episodes one and two of uh, last season, he's directing episode five and the next episode, episode six, for season two, and he is going to be back for episode 13 mm. for the last episode of the season, Whoa. so that'll be great. And we know he's good. And, uh, you know, I... Um, 
I think somebody else mentioned it earlier. Like, there was nothing, like, super, like, stuck out to me as, like, a major theme of this episode. Because usually there is. Like, you know, usually it was, like, last episode it was, like, guilt and shame. And other episodes it was, like, love and lust. And other episodes it was, you know, like... Um, this was a pull-together episode. Yeah. We so had so many strings going. All of a sudden they pulled them all at once. And the episode yeah. title, Seeds. Like, yeah. what do you guys think about what those seeds are? I was, like, Seed of Hope. Seed of Rebellion. Seed of Dandelions. Seed of Dandelions. Seed of Dandelions, I think. And I was, I had this phrase before, I was like, there's these silver linings, like these horrible situations, but like the silver lining of Alfred's pregnancy got sort of having that moment of the, her bleeding. Uh, the child is a seed, yeah. and the seed is, seed is growing. Seed's growing. And she's going to protect the damn seed. There you go. Boom, I found, figured it out for you. You're welcome. That's good work right <laughs> there. Yeah. That's good. I kind of looked at it from a pragmatic point of view where i'm just like all right they're setting the seeds for the rest of the season yeah and oh i like that yeah. too that's, <laughs> that's what i had i was like that's it that's it because now everything that has happened in this episode it can set it up and just ride it out until we do have 13. a longer season we have 13 episodes mm-hmm. this season and presu- presumably we're gonna have 13 episodes next season so we have quite At a ways least, to go yeah i hope because they are renewed for season three wow um in the little um snippet if you um are watching on Hulu. Um, they have like um, it's just like two minutes, like little like behind the scenes, like some of the um, actors talking about it. Mm-hmm. And um, Max Minghella was like, you know, this episode is really like everyone has a secret and no one knows what information everybody else knows. Yeah. So that's what makes it so compelling. That's why all and, those uh, like double hidden nice. lines were fantastic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice, because that was one of the things I wrote down in my notes. Mm-hmm. Was just like scandals, secrets, and lies. Yeah, maybe that is the. Maybe that is the theme of the episode. Yeah, I mean, it just, it, that lives. seemed to stand out the most to me because it was yeah. just like, it was that thing of like, what am I watching? What is happening? What are you people doing? Yeah. And, and also, like, really sometimes I think, like, what is the point? Yeah. You know, because I, occasionally there'll be a scene, like, you know, in a lot of shows where I'm like, uh, I don't know why you, why we watch that, why would, why that was necessary, you know, or in movies, you know, like, why was this scene necessary? Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, Abigail is right in like, to, like really bringing a lot of things together. We have Aunt Lydia in the same household. We have a new person in the household. Everybody is back in the same household. Aunt Lydia is so busy. Mm. <laughs> right? I'm like, how many people are in how this? How many people are pregnant spot? that you were have to go how around? How many people are pregnant that she's like, she's got this log book. And she's got like, I got to go make some more rounds. I'm like, yeah. how many bitches are pregnant She's right so busy. She's got so much shit going on. What mm-hmm. happened to this just her. She don't even pregnant. have a team. Yeah. I know. I thought it was difficult to get pregnant too. And she's like, nah. Like at what point? Shot. Yeah. Well, at <laughs> what point do the handmaids become irrelevant? Mm. Like when do, when they going to get redundant? Because now you got the teen girl sex army. <laughs> <laughs> that was rough. <laughs> You know, that is a great question that I well, haven't okay, so thought of before. Here's a great question. So Because they're going to trade them, so they're going to have to get some more handmaids somehow. So here's my question. The question being, you know, we have all our handmaids right now. So when we had the 2015, because I made the timeline, the 2015 infertility plague, you know, and that hit everyone. Did that hit, you know genetics like is that being passed on hmm. to the new army children that are hmm. now sex slaves like Maybe. or is it just for that certain population like what's the deal here because you know it's more difficult to get pregnant mm-hmm. and if you get pregnant there's a one in five chance that you have a healthy child again this is on the timeline with all the details i wrote um and so if that one in five you finally get that child is that child necessarily plague free mm-hmm. are they fertile or not in the book 
I just want to point out for those who have read it that um, in the book, Janine's baby doesn't make it. It becomes a quote unquote unbaby. But like it lived for like a few weeks maybe. And mm. then the baby died in the book is what happened. So the baby doesn't survive in the book timeline. Right, because it's one out of five. Here, yeah, but here, you know, the baby has survived. And so, and, you know, in that scene, and I think it was a woman's place in season one, when we had all of the children's running around to prove to the Mexican delegation, like, this system works. Right. So they're going to start exporting handmaids. So we haven't seen the second shoe drop of that yet. Not yet. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, they introduced it. They're going to have to address it at some point, that some of these people are going to go to Mexico or and some other places. You know, they're trying to get trade going with other countries because they said if they don't, their, you know, currency is going to fall off a cliff. So we're dealing with like a mixture of like governance here and like people who they're subjugating and using these people as a means for, you know, to develop their economy. So it's like very layered. So like, yeah, you know, even if you, you have know, enough children to sustain and grow your population, that's, are they going to still continue to use handmaids to trade if other people are, you know, needing yeah. their services? I mean, what's really blowing my mind is that nobody's thinking, you know, these are the people that are still fertile after the plague. And these are the children that are being um, mm -hmm. that are that are living past, you know, that one out of five ratio. Mm -hmm. Why don't we take the people that are still fertile and those children and figure out what the common factor is and think of a fucking vaccine? Mm. Why can't we use science, guys? I because mean, they you, use you would have no story. No, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, uh, what's that mean? Like, if Breaking Bad took place in Canada, it would but, be one episode. <laughs> <laughs> but see, here's the thing: like, Gilead is not the entire world, and they're trying to do trade with other parts of the world. Why aren't the Japanese doing this? Like, why aren't? Why isn't another country? Maybe they are, and we just aren't there yet. I don't yeah, know. Make it that far yet? And maybe yeah. they'll ship it around, and then they'll be obsolete. But okay. But even if that is the case, my point still stands. Who all is affected? Mm -hmm. So we know that we, we know, know Mexicans. Mexico's Mexico's affected. affected. Yes. Yeah. And you know, the handmaids are supposedly still able to have children, and one out of five survives. What about those child brides? Mm. Are they fertile? Do we even know that these babies are going to come out? I think that it's a question. Fertile? I think it's a question mark because I like, think we don't in the know book, who, who are the child brides? Where are they from? I think they're kind of people. They're kind of people. people. The working class. Um, I think though, at if if from the book, if my memory serves me correctly, that if um, you know, you reach a high enough status, you get a wife. You reach a high enough status, you get a house. You reach a high enough status, and your your wife cannot bear children. You can also be awarded a handmaid. So it's like sort of these like levels. So I, I believe that a guardian with a wife and a household and all of that stuff, if you're at a high enough level, you can get a handmaid awarded to you if you if like the the government deems like, OK, you've been trying for a long time. I, we don't think your wife is fertile. So let's get you a child into your family. So I think mind? it's very like linked to status. Well, yeah, it's linked to status, but mm. what blows my mind is that they're not testing people to see if they are yeah, fertile. They, that's you weird have to just ability. be like, we, we don't think you could get They don't birth. test the men, and they don't test they're the like, women. Uh, like, how do you know who can? You tried, you, would you try three times, three times, Charles? Yeah, work? I right, think it also, also that, right? like, it's, it's weird. That cultural aspect, because I believe in, like, when uh, well, we Alfred goes to the doctor for the pipe. first time in um season one the doctor is like um 
you know, oh, the commander could be sterile. Yeah, mo- but, he said most of them are. And yeah. uh, and I, Alfred was, was like, was you're not book, supposed right? to say that. Like, n- command, like, the men are never sterile. It's only barren women. So there's, like, a cultural, like, what's the, like, why don't they test the men if they're sterile or not? Because no, me, men being sterile is impossible. Like, okay. there's certain cultural, like, yeah, standards they're they trying to... They just ask him a couple of questions. Have you had because, a child before? Okay, cool. You're fertile. But because I think they're also linking it to culture that like if you are, you know, fertile, you are blessed by God. So you get to be a handmaid or blah, blah, or be an Akana wife. If you are infertile, then, you know, it means like you're not, you know, whatever. Okay. So they're linking it to God and that's why they're not using science. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. God and science came yeah. out the same. Apparently that's Apparently just inconceivable. Space at the same time. But Even though pick- my biology teacher is like a hardcore Christian. Like my biology teacher from college. Einstein liked some Bible too. He my- liked the Bible. He liked that Bible. He liked that Bible. He liked that Bible. In, and uh, yet he still came up with relativity. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my uh, evolution professor, um, when I did my uh, degree in uh, bio and undergrad, my evolution professor was actually, um, she said, very Christian. And she said, she, we ha- she had this conversation. She was a very good friend about it. She was like, this is my views. This is my faith. And I, you know, this is how I reconcile the two. And we're like, cool. I mean, that works for you. So you're a great professor. So great. It's, yeah. So what's the yeah. difference? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it is, you know, in our modern age, not, you know, one side or another. It doesn't have to be. I think that is a great point to make. Like that is a whole other hour conversation we can probably make about yeah, science probably, versus yeah. and faith and the yeah, but it's just an interesting how how the they pick and the choose dynamic in this. yeah how the they dynamic pick plays in, in the story in Gilead they pick and choose what technologies it's and science really they interesting. use and which ones they don't yeah alrighty well that wraps us up for episode five um and if you have watched SNL. Uh, last week they did do yes. a handmade sketch it's not the first one they did the first one they did was the first when one they the, did was not nearly as good the last year when the first show when the show first came out they did a sketch about like oh my god didn't you hear like oh, we're all like you know like slaves now and then the guys were like oh yeah i think i remember hearing about that one the time. guys were like yeah that sucks that so sucks. you want to come over later and they're like we can't we can't <laughs> yeah so Who i think was the it host was of that one that was oh um one of the Hemsworths. Okay, yeah, it was just last year. I confirmed it. It was the Hemsworths. Um, Liam? I don't know. Might have uh, been Liam. I don't know. I don't know. But one the one the... that happened just recently. Was... Thor. I think it was Thor. <laughs> Thor. Yeah. I think <laughs> Thor was in that one. Um, when we don't know the name of the person but the character they play yep. it's really sad there's a lot of Hemsworths okay there's, like there's a lot of Hemsworths and they're all beautiful they all look the same to God, me. They're so um, and so the one that they did the Handmaids in the City I thought was pretty clever um, combining Sex in the City and mm-hmm. the Handmaids Tale with Amy amazing. Schumer and for the record I think uh, Amy Schumer's comedy has like she used to be very shocking relevant, and like like very brazen and now she's sort of like mellowed out a little bit. She's mellowed out a lot, and she's I really did enjoy her moment. Uh, yeah, I, I was really gonna say too. I really dug it. I really yeah. enjoyed it. She's matured. And so they're Agreed. like all sitting around at like like a like a cafeteria table, and they're sort of like mixing like the the dialogue style of Sex in the City right. with like the the stuff that's happening in The Handmaid's Tale. Just like, oh, did you lose weight? And she's like, what? Does having a baby count? Like, just like, <laughs> just this very tongue in cheek kind of stuff. And and so that was cute. And then. 
there's a line and it's like, if you're not traumatized, you're not watching TV, which I think <laughs> really spoke to the article we were talking about last week about how like, do you have to watch this really traumatizing show in order to like be a feminist? And, to, and like, no, you don't have to be. Of course not. You know, there's lots of ways to be a feminist. You don't have to right. watch the show. And if you don't watch the show and you're a feminist, I mean, there's obviously no right way to you know, be a feminist or whatnot. No, you're female. You're feminist, period. Done. And then so... Wrapping it up. <laughs> wrapping it up. So I encourage you to check it out. Well, Did I you? wonder, like, how this show plays a role with female Christian feminists hmm. and within the Christian well, you know community what? by and large. Mm -hmm. My mother, mm -hmm. and she's going to hate me when she realizes that she's gotten to this episode and listens to this. My mother is a diehard Roman Catholic woman, mm -hmm. Irish Catholic through and through. God bless her. And raised me the same way. And she, I just recently got her into this and I've been trying to get her to binge it so she can catch up and start listening to all of these podcasts. Mm -hmm. The moment she starts really getting into it and has some commentary, I would love to put it on this show. Yeah, And please. to let you know, because I genuinely believe, like she's a baby boomer. I genuinely believe that her thought process would be that of what you're thinking. Yeah. I'd be very interested okay. to know that. I mean, I did see a few articles pop up recently that I'll have to catch up on and we'll do maybe like a extras bonus section on, on some of those articles. But it is um, it is a great point because it does very dra draw a very hard line between like, quote unquote, Christian beliefs and the hard line of, you know, what would this mean in like a practical manner, like really, I, I in like an everyday practical way. Like, just a guess, but I have a feeling that when she gets to this point in the series, that she'll be like, well, I mean, I don't like the idea of the Rachel and Leah con mm. concept going on here. Mm -hmm. mm. I don't like the idea of the handmaids and the way they've structured society, but I appreciate the amount of, you know, um, love that they put into every child that exists and mm. how they put that on a pedestal. Like, a pregnant mm. woman should be on a pedestal. Like, that's going to, I can guarantee that that's her thought. Like, mm. a pregnant woman should be upheld like that. You see a pregnant woman on the subway, you better give her your spot. Like, one of those, like, concepts. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Um, I don't know how she'd feel about the structure of society or trade laws or anything else involved, but on that one aspect of, like, pregnant women, I think she'd be on board. I think the interesting thing about the SNL skits is, like, the first one is really, like, poking a jab at, like, guys being clueless. But I think the, the tenor of the conversation has changed because it's such a diverse group of people who, who watch this show now. You yeah. know what I'm yes. saying? And so I think in, you know, everybody has heard of this show. Maybe not everybody, but, you know, like such a wide range of people are engaged with this show, which I think is important because it, it addresses issues that are, that are very relevant to everybody, I think. You know? And then, yeah. so the second one is really, I think, kind of, tongue-in-cheek about women's relationships to each other because I think that's the major criticism of this show is about how women treat each other in the show, right? And it, I mean, it comes back to real life, though, because it is the Sex in the City version, and, like, if we're going to be real, like, Sex in the City really does, like, add, show the way that women interact, and we can be catty mm -hmm. towards one each other, and we can say tongue-in-cheek things to one each other, and, like, even though, yes, it is the handmaid's, you know, background and mm -hmm. concept, like, it's, it's pretty relevant. Yeah. The way that they combined the two was pretty ingenious to mix, you yeah. know, that world with ours. Yeah. Yeah, that was a cool thing about it, because it shows, like, those complicated relationships. And it's not just so black and white. It's like, oh, we're like, oh, oppressed and we all ladies. So we should be one big, happy, oppressed lady family. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah. really work like that. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, it never really works like that in slavery mm -hmm. in general, you know. That's awesome. 
All right. I think we've had some good discussions yeah. today. I'm happy with where we awesome. are. Thank That's you really so cool. much, Mike, for being here. Thanks for today. having me. I hope you come back me again. Me too. Oh, oh for sure. I definitely will. I was Great. really into this. Awesome. It's all our dandelion talk. <laughs> they bonded over dandelions. They really did. They really did. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys. Um, follow us on Facebook and uh, find us on coffee.com. Donate to our podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. Um, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Peace. Thank you for listening to another week of the Handmaid's Podcast. This is Donna Ivalo, your host and producer. Thanks again to Mike Smith for joining us this week, along with Abigail Johnson. Kate Megan Washington will be back next week. If you are enjoying the podcast so far, please, please, please consider taking some time to write us a review on iTunes. Helps us bump up in the uh, ratings and uh, helps other people interested in The Handmaid's Tale to discover our podcast. Also, if you find it in your hearts to spare us a dollar or three, you can find us on coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com slash The Handmaid's Podcast, where you can give us a little donation. Helps us with the costs that we incur here and there in producing this podcast. As always, if you have more to add to our conversation from this week, please connect with us on Facebook at The Handmaid's Podcast or email us at thehandmaidspodcast at gmail.com. We record at the Look On Media Studios in downtown Baltimore, Maryland. Our logo is designed by Jelko Strakal, and our music is by bensound.com. See you next week.